everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour, sponsored by Lake Monster Brewing, Eastside Jiu-Jitsu, and That's Badass Wood Art. Remember to like and subscribe to stay up to date with all the current Viking conversation, including today's, which is the 53-man official roster, and we have uh, Eric Don't Eager. say official. Okay. <laughs> Unofficial official roster. Yeah. Well, There'll the, be burning, changes. the burning question I have just right off the jump here is for Eric. Do you think teams are really going to go into the season without punters? Uh, it'd, be, it'd be so much fun if they did, but obviously I don't think that they will. It does bring you back to a time like I, I don't ask me why, but like for, for part of my job, I'm going through and looking at old transactions and like early, early salary cap days. So, you know, right when this thing was being, you know, free agency was starting they when they initially moved the the active rosters from 47 players to 53 players they used to make teams cut down to 47 this time mm-hmm. and then they used to bring players back so like you would look back and be like oh you know the vikings would cut mike tice and like bring him back he'd start the first game and all this kind of stuff that's kind of what it reminds me of where it's like how much do punters really matter i know ryan wright's pretty good but like all this stuff you know how much do kickers matter? How much do backup quarterbacks matter? A lot less, apparently, in the eyes of these teams um, than than we always thought, because they're willing to sort of expose these guys to other clubs, um, you know, uh, this time of year, which is always surprising given how much time they invest in these players. Yeah. And by the way, I didn't give you a good introduction before Miles interrupted me. For those who don't <laughs> then know. Then get it right. All right. <laughs> for those who don't know, Eric Eager of Sumer Sports. Uh, you can find the show page to his YouTube channel in the, the description below. Uh, 2,000 subscribers now, so bravo, sir. Thank I know you. you guys are just churning out content on a daily basis. It's impressive. Well, thank you. It's a, It's been a lot of fun. Thomas is a you know, really good thinker, and it's always fun to interact with him. And um, Yeah, I think, I think we're doing uh, some fun stuff, and uh, I'm excited to uh, watch another, uh, another season. <laughs> So the non-official, according to Miles, 53-man roster came out today by the Vikings. Any surprises uh, that kind of caught your eye, Eric? Well, I, I'm, I'm surprised that Andre Carter and I – well, I'm not surprised. Like, going back to the initial – like, if we if we re-rack this late July, I'm surprised Dwayne McBride ended up not making it. But guys like Ivan Pace and Andre Carter made it. Um but, you know, as the preseason evolved, like it was very clear that Ivan Carter was going to make the team or uh, sorry, Ivan Pace. And then um, and it wasn't clear to me that Andre Carter was going to make it because I don't think he did much to, to warrant that. But they are looking, obviously, to, to depth at that position where they don't have very much. And, you know, Dwayne McBride never really did anything right. It never really was a thing where he looked like he figured it out, which, you know, people like. Basically, every analytics nerd that I knew loved his his you know profile coming out of UAB. So that was interesting. Hopefully, he makes it to the practice squad and they can develop him a little bit. Uh, a little surprise they kept Jaron Hall. Um, I, but you know they they have to develop a young quarterback somehow if, if they were to let Cousins go. Can I ask they- you something about that, Eric? Yeah. So go how would you have felt if the Vikings didn't pursue Trey Lance and then still were willing to get rid of Jaron Hall? Because I feel like. There's some sim like not there's not similarities, but like a tie-in between the two and the fact that it, it was obvious this offseason the Vikings wanted to add a young developmental quarterback. Mm-hmm. And so, like obviously they had discussions for with San Francisco in the spring about Trey Lance, couldn't come to a deal, and so they take uh Jaron Hall in the fifth. But it, so it kind of feels like to me like it was one of those two guys. And there's my kid being loud. Um, so like just wanted to like get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think, you know, the one the one thing that we know for sure about Kwesi Adapomensa uh, and his regime in Minnesota is they have conviction about quarterbacks. And and I think that the which is different than what I would have thought. Right. I think, you know, Kwesi's come in. He hasn't really built the analytics staff that like we all expected him to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that he kind of if, you know, for lack of a, a better description in year one, he kind of got Ryan Grigson in place. He did a lot of smart stuff in the draft as far as trading, but there was no like there wasn't you know it was it was a lot of like trying to be a, a normal GM but very smartly right and and so you could see that and then 
a lot of what they're doing now is kind of analytics on the cap and contract side, but maybe not necessarily on the player eval side. And so you have the void years and you have like, I think that the contracts that they've built out make a lot of sense. But the player selection thing, usually us analytics guys, especially now, it's like you 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 look at you look for value, you look at the consensus board, you look at a guy like, you know, at 12, Pickett, uh, Pickett and Willis last year. He very clearly was convicted in not wanting either one of those players. Probably hits that out of the park for Willis. Who knows on Pickett, who looks quite good and was very efficient at the end of the season last year for Pittsburgh. And then last season, they're sitting at – sorry, last last April, they're sitting at 23, and Will Levis has fallen into the lap. And, again, if you're just if – if your big board is kind of like an aggregation of a bunch of big boards and some analytics, you're taking Levis there. If it's – I have a grade on a quarterback that a scout has given me and 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 or a few scouts have given me and Ryan Grigson has gone over and that grade is a third round grade. You're passing him up and you're taking uh, Jordan Addison, which is what they did. I think similarly, you know, with Trey Lance, I think that they they have a they have some conviction on Trey Lance. And so when those conversations happen with San Francisco, the price was probably too much. And now that he's played a little bit, I think that they remain convicted on him. Uh, an analytics person probably would have said, look, this is just a perfect buy low situation. Let's go fire on it. And they very, very much have conviction there. And, and you know, there's a there's a, a comment in there about from Aaron talking about Rager. Like Rager is the perfect example. Rager, Blacklock, uh, Hawkinson, all those guys, those are all buy low guys that Quasi got, kind of independent probably of his own eval. And he just bought low on them and with Hawkinson and, and to an extent Rager, it's kind of worked out. He does not have similar conviction about quarterback, which is interesting because now they're they're left with Jaron Hall, who I agree with you, Miles. Like if you were to if you were to like close your eyes to draft position, maybe there isn't much of a difference given that the fact that they're both kind of low sample guys with good athleticism and, and good physical tools that have yet to work out. So Miles got to ask you a question. So I, I want to ask you one, and it re- re- revolves around the safety position. And uh, kind of the the talk about Lewis seen last week, but also the Vikings kept six safeties heading into this season. Now that can obviously change, but any any thoughts on just the, keeping six safeties and even four tight ends for that matter uh, yeah. heading into this year? It's weird, man. Because well, I think that the safeties thing could be because of how special teams are going to change. So I'm thinking about um, and tight ends as well, where. You're sort of well for one Hawkinson's. I I don't know if Hawkinson's right. So so keeping four tight ends to me is part of a hedge on Hawkinson's health. That's but a fair safety, point. Safeties versus linebackers. So you saw in that original one that they only kept four off-ball linebackers. Usually you keep more just because of special teams and stuff like that. But special teams are going to be different this year because I think the smart teams are just going to kick the ball out of the end zone, especially indoor teams. Kick the ball out of the end zone and fair catch every kickoff. In which case. You don't really need the bigger kind of special teams, the fullbacks, tight ends, linebackers to block. You need those guys for punt team and punt return. You don't need them for kickoff. So you can be a little lighter in your depth. And I think that that's part of it. I think the other part of it is, let's face facts, like Lewis Seen can't really play right now. And and I mean that in when he's healthy, he hasn't really demonstrated an, a, a, a penchant for this defense. And he gets hurt. Like he got hurt in practice the other day. Uh, just by like walking around. So I, I, I think the, the spot, you know, you're, you're kind of keeping five safeties who can dress for you. And then one guy who's kind of, you know, we're keeping around because it's a first round pick and, and you can't really cut him. Thank Thank you too evil to hope for that comment that made us all laugh. Um, <laughs> so uh, Eric, my, my question for you, and, and I know that uh, our guy miles here is, is, was frustrated with this all, all day too. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what they might be trying to do schematically um, on offense. In the last year, they had had a heavy focus on uh, 11 personnel, and it seems like they might be going back to the, you know, uh, the 12 personnel, two tight ends on the field. And, of course, they have C.J. Ham um, again, and they kept the four tight ends. So, you know, what do you think that, you know, Kevin O'Connell is seeing? I know he's also highlighted how he wants to find ways to get uh, more open looks for Justin Jefferson, um, you know, how he – might be progressing with this kind of offensive lineup uh, to make that happen. Well, I, I think that they really want Hawkinson to be a, a, a wide receiver three, essentially, right? And that that's kind of how they played him, and that's 
really when he came over from Detroit, that was the value added. And and it's funny because I think of, you know, Hawkinson was tremendous for the Vikings last year, but you could still see that he struggles as a blocker. He struggles kind of in the complete game. You can't put his hand in the grass and play him at tight end like all the time. And so last year was he was kind of like the grandparents, right, where he comes in and he's just got to play with the kids, right? And 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 to ask him to be a full-on parent where you got to pay the bills and clean up, clean the, the crap up and play with the kids, like that's kind of like what Josh Oliver's supposed to do, right? And I think that the 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 you know sort of you know the delta between Hawkinson having that top end deal at tight end right now and where the Vikings are sitting with him is the fact that he isn't that complete player. And so I think what they really want to do is have Josh Oliver be a Y and play all the time. And you know, the last year with Johnny Munt and other guys, it was kind of just like that's not tenable all the time. And they wanted to have Hawkinson play, especially because, you know, Jordan Addison is smaller. He's got a lot of injury. I don't think, I don't think it's going to be the traditional Hawkinson's the tight end, Addison, uh, Jefferson, and uh, Osborne are going to be the wide, the three wide receivers, and away we go. I think it's going to be more of early downs. You have Josh Oliver, Hawkinson. Hawkinson's playing off the line of scrimmage almost all the time, and probably in the slot. And then you kind of rotate uh, Osborne and Addison next to Jefferson. And that's kind of how you, you work with it. Additionally, because at running back, they're just not as talented as they used to be. I think it's still a solid move for them to move on. But they're going to need that extra kind of blocker in the at the line of scrimmage, I think, because you're just not going to, you know, if you don't, um, you're not going to get as many yards before contact. And I think you're going to need some yards before contact with a guy like Addison as, as much as I like him as a, a complimentary type back like it to me it's just it's just kind of it's trying to complete the bad things about the offense last year which was you didn't have an inline tight end that could really block your your running back situation was better last year talent wise now it's not quite as good and i i think it's kind of trying to patch all those all those things around and, and be that you know be a better offense as a result has your expectation changed for the vikings this season like based on maybe who they kept or what you've seen through this preseason, or is it still kind of like that eight and a half win, you know, season for the Vikings in stuck in kind of mediocrity as we hopefully hit the reset in 24. I agree with the eight and a half wins. In fact, I probably would put it more around eight. Um, but and I've, I've argued with people on Twitter about this, Peter Bukowski of the, uh, you know, the, the um, <laughs> huge Spotify Vikings app. fan, huge yeah. Vikings yeah. fan. And, and look, I've been, I've been the big, somebody called me big Vikings opinion haver. I'll be honest. I've been a hater for a while. Um, I think this team has a higher ceiling than I thought. Um, you look at the offense, like, look, like let, let's, let's spell out the, the, the Super Bowl case for the Vikings. It's, Brian Flores finds a way to find three corners who can play. Okay. Like well, they only have four, Eric. So they got it like the odds, right? The odds are there. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Flores somehow manages to find three. And look, we saw it last year. The Kansas City Chiefs won a Super Bowl in the second half of that game. It's three rookie corners in the AFC title game against Boyd, Chase, and Higgins. And, it, and they figured it out, right? So, the, the most valuable player on a defense is the coordinator. And so they, they got floors there, right? Um, Danelle Hunter, 20 sacks, like all that kind of stuff. Ivan Pace, a great linebacker. I, I personally like his story, but I think he's going to get run over if he ever plays. Um, but like, that's the, that's the defensive case. Brian Flores finds a way to find corners, blitz, blitz, and Danelle Hunter looks like Chris Dolman for a year. And then on offense, like I don't actually see – that much distance between them and being a Super Bowl offense. The tackles are both all pro type players. The guards, I think, can only get better. And the center got better last year. Um, tight end, I think they're solid, especially if Hawkinson can can um, shake this. And the wide receiver group, if it's healthy, I, I mean, Jalen Naylor being the wide receiver four is a really good uh, backup depth piece. Addison looks, looks really good when healthy. That's going to be a big one. Can he stay healthy all year? Osborne's already good. Jefferson's the second best player in the whole league. Uh, and then I think at running back, I you know, people talk about Chai Chandler's age and everything. I think they have a good stable of running backs. I think if Nwangwu comes back and is actually healthy, you know, and, and, and if Kirk, you know, gets rid of age. But I, I got to say this, like, I, I think back, I, I watched the documentary, obviously, 
I think if Cousins had a better coach from the jump in Minnesota, and I, and I mean better as in a guy that like bought into him the way yeah. that uh, O'Connell, O'Connell clearly knows he's limited, but also clearly knows that a guy like Cousins needs a coach that's going to talk him up as opposed to the last guy who talked him down all the time. Um, so going into this the summer, I kind of thought they're kind of that same mediocre team, not a huge range of outcomes. I'm actually buying into now the fact that they have some likely some probability of being really really good and that's something that i didn't open myself up to i also think that they have kind of a oh shit this thing goes really bad really quickly type of but i think that's always been there i actually do though think in the nfc they could have another really good season from a wins losses perspective i was what go ahead matt well, I was going to say, we talked about it at this show, but I think Kwesi has honestly set himself up for a perfect situation this year because either they do hit that ceiling, like you mentioned, get a lot of wins in the NFC, maybe make some noise in the playoffs, and everyone's happy here in Minnesota, or the alternative is they fall below that eight-win threshold that you kind of mentioned. They're in a prime position to move on from Kirk and maybe take a shot at one of the rookie quarterbacks in the upcoming draft, so... I'm kind of referring to uh, two evil to hopes question of like a, a letter grade for Quasi up to this point, but like I'm hard pressed not to give him like a, a B or a B plus to this point, just how he set himself up for multiple different routes for the future. Yeah. I think my biggest issue with giving him that high of a grade and look, I, I, I'm rooting for him. I, I really do You're gonna want say him. the 2022 draft class. Yeah. I mean the point and, and look, like you can say, and, and I, I think, a lot of Vikings fans are hesitant to call the to call the dogs off on Lewis scene because they think that that means that Quasey's already bust. And take it from me, like I don't, you can't evaluate a general manager on one pick or one trade. So, like 2022 is one draft class. It looks like it looks snake eyes right now. And and so that to me, I get a little worried there. Um, I think that. He's done a really good job as far as like the competitive rebuild with Byron Murphy, Marcus Davenport. He's kind of, he hasn't bellied up to the bar and make these huge commitments to players who I think are going to be helpful for the team this year. The Cousins thing's weird. Um, I think, you know, Kirk's probably, Kirk, like, I'll just put it this way. If they could, if they had contract structures the way that Quasey does them now, when, when Kirk originally signed with the team, in 2018, I think that they do a lot better. So I think I think Quasey with the void years and the kind of spreading it out over a few years and being able to manage it, I think he's done tremendous. So I think it's probably a C plus B minus because you can't ignore the draft classes, but you can also look at um, you can also look at kind of how he's kind of taken this team that was in cap hell uh, and no one wanted to talk about it and put it into a a, a better into a better place. So I, I think. He's been above average, but closer to average than elite, I would say. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like the the O'Connell and Quasi regime has done a better job of filling in the, the peripherals and the like the the outer layer areas of the like of the team that I don't think Zim and, and Co were able to do. Because I think Quasi and them have done a good job of making sure that they have better depth. Now, I think this this roster, like top end wise, besides JJ, because we know he's the second best player in the league, but like. I think they're like under under Zim and, and Rick for the longest time. It was a top he- top heavy roster with w- zero wiggle room, and I feel like this this roster has a little bit more wiggle room because some of the depth is a little bit better. Even if the the ceiling of the the best players o- across the board isn't as good, but I think they've done a good job coaching wise, and then just like around the around the edges of like a Brian Flores keeping mm-hmm. you know O'Connell keeping uh, West Phillips and kind of keeping the system in place that benefits his quarterback and his offense. Like I think they've done those things better than the old regime to help things kind of, I don't, we, we talk floor and ceiling, but I think they've done a better job of like raising the floor um, slightly, but I don't know if it's, if, if it's really a, a ceiling raise, but I think it at least gives you a better stable baseline. Um, and if they fall off a cliff, I think we'd all understand it's probably injury more than it would be like talent or like coaching in my opinion. So that's, yeah. Yeah, it's strange because you had, you know, I thought Spielman, and, and it's funny because like my boss, Thomas Dimitrov, who was the GM of the Falcons, um, he, you know, he had a similar kind of at the end where he could he could nail a first round pick. And and like when you look at Dimitrov from 08 to 2020, 
no one generated more approximate value with the draft picks per pick. And a lot of that is just like nailing the Julio Jones and Matt Ryan and guys like that, Jake Matthews and stuff. And at the end there, though, it was tough because they, they in many ways, kind of like the cap caught up to them. They were chasing after a Super Bowl loss. And and it's just kind of, to your point, the depth went away. Quasi, so again, like this is like a very technical point, but it's important. You know, when Kirk signed that original deal, three years, 87 million, it was three years only. And the 87 was over all three years. And it was such that when you got up to a year, two years in, you had to extend them because it was never going like you were never you never got to smooth the contract out. And now they have these things called void years where essentially you can tack on years and spread out the cap hits over years. Yes. When Kirk leaves, there's going to be a big bill to do. But when Kirk's here. You can use like Marcus Davenport, one year, 13 million. That sounds like a lot, but it's really one year and like six and then another six later when the cap is higher. And so, you know, if you were to go back to the well with Marcus Davenport, that's great. It just goes on to his new contract. If not, then you can you you just, you know, you're like, great. It was worth it to have depth around Kirk Cousins because nothing really matters unless the quarterback is resolved. And so it was he's using those instruments exactly how you're talking about miles, which is building depth and kind of fortifying the roster and saying, look, if we don't have a nickel corner or a left guard or something like that, and those are bad examples because they, that's kind of where they're weak. But if we don't have, uh, if we don't have TJ Hawkinson here, this offense is going to fall apart. So I'm going to buy now, pay later. And when I pay later, it's going to be at a cheaper rate because these are interest-free loans on the cap. And, and I think that doing that instead of, doing what Zimmer did, which is kind of trying to always prove his prediction about Cousins right, which is this guy's a bum. We can't win with him. These two guys are like, well, he is an, an imperfect quarterback, and this isn't the best situation, but let's make the best of it. And I and I, and I find that very endearing about those two. You, on top of the using the void years on the contracts, do you take anything with Quasi doing a lot of short-term deals or not committing you know, long-term up until this point to any – player with the opportunity to get out if it doesn't work as being an uh, important part of the strategy? Well, I think that that's exactly using the, you know, using the void years allows you to do that, right? Because you can spread out. Um, and again, the thing with the void years is that it all accelerates if you let them go. But if you keep them, you can, you, those same, those same hits get spread out. So I, I, I think that that's, that's part of the whole plan there because you know, the, the Vikings are a very top-heavy team from a – and this is because of the guys that Spielman drafted. Dershaw is an all-pro like a type player. Brian O'Neill is an all-pro type player. Jefferson's one of the – you know, and you want to save those big-ass contracts for those guys. And so, you know, the, the weak link stuff – now, this is, again, where I get a little bit sideways with Quasi, which is – you have to you have to know which which one of them are the premium positions and which aren't, and that's like what the Lewis Seen draft pick kind of, you know, wasn't great because and that whole draft, frankly, guard second round, uh, safety first round, and then linebacker third round. It's like what I'd rather him do is use the big contracts and the big and the big um, draft capital on premium positions, and then to your point, use those one year deals with some voids on the guards that always you know, made the Vikings offense worse than it could have been or the nickel corners that always made the defense worse than it could have been, et cetera, et cetera. And back before you had the void years, Spielman would be like, well, we have a crappy cap. So I got to sign this guy for three years and spread it out over three years and worry about it later. And then if that guy, you know, failed, then you were stuck holding the bag on a player who stunk. Whereas now you're just like, no, we're not making any pretenses about this. It's a one-year deal, but we're going to treat it like a three-year deal on the cap. And so it spread it out. And I think it's good. The only the only piece of feedback I have is do that at safety, not at other at positions that matter. Do that at linebacker. Do that like so that it's just more economical for your team. Because like the Jordan Hick, like the Jordan Hick signing is like an yeah. example of that that he could have done for Lewisine instead of drafting Lewisine at thirty two, right? Yeah, because running backs, linebackers, safeties. Um, guards and centers are always available in free agency. Always right. starting caliber players always available. And, and that was also the big deal you know, when everybody gives me, you know, when I give, you know, the, the Kirk Cousins thing, like you shouldn't have had to draft Garrett Bradbury. You should have had enough cap space to go out and sign a, a veteran center 
you know, and and not have to use the draft capital because you were so up against it cap wise, right? You should and and think about like Cincinnati, for example. They go and they draft Miles Murphy this year, and they draft, you know, they don't need Miles Murphy, right? They just know that over time they're gonna need a ton of you know, blue chip-ish type premium positions. They they draft Dax Hill. Now Dax Hill is a little bit of a tweener at safety and corner, but they knew that Jesse Bates was a year into the future. And so when you don't have when you don't use the draft on needs at non-premium positions, you can build a roster where you wake up and you're like, how did the like, two years from now we're gonna say, well, how did they let Trey Hendrickson go? It's like, well, they have Miles Murphy and Devin Osai and all these guys that they've invested in and you know, were smart about. And then they went and patched up nickel corner and free agency because it's widely available. Guys like Devin King are available all the freaking time, Steven Nelson, so forth. And again, like I think that that's the part. And now he said it this draft when he took Addison, all we got good players for premium positions. So maybe he turned his, his thinking around. But that first draft is going to hurt because they they used premium cap, premium capital on non-premium spots. I do want to ask you one question because I know you have to leave in four minutes. I'm, I I shot you a note a, a couple weeks back because I, I was listening to your podcast with with Matt Collar and I still don't quite understand it. So can you explain the potential Kirk Cousins extension for 2024 if he sticks around in what because it, it, it can't exceed a certain dollar amount, correct? Yeah, yep. And this is another part where you 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 get an idea that Quasey kind of knows what he's doing and maybe Rob Brzezinski, like you, it's a, a little bit of a leg. But so what they were trying to do, and you can go back and look, it's it's these funny things where they, when they used to do trades back in the day, they were oftentimes just guys were holding out. And so usually what they would do if, if there was a cap issue, would they would sign a guy to like a really crappy deal and then they'd trade him so it would work for the cap. And then they'd re-sign him to a bigger deal. And obviously that's skirting the cap and, and all this kind of stuff. And so they made a rule essentially within 12 months, you can't sign two extensions, the second one being bigger APY than the first. And okay. so ultimately what they did when, and, and again, I, I might be flubbing the exacts of the rule, but that's kind of the, the spirit of it. And so when they when they signed Kirk to the 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 he had to agree to the extension, not even not the restructure, because they added voids. And so he agreed to a deal that essentially, um, you know, moves the Vikings' hand a little bit because they put void years on it, but they put paragraph five on those void years to the point where that deal was effectively now a five-year, $200 million deal. Now, none of that money is going to see the light of day other than this year's because it's just going to avoid. But what it does is say... If they were to change their mind and, and extend Cousins over the next 12 months after the deal, it would have to come in at a lower APY than $40 million a year. And so essentially, and, and this is a very smart thing the Niners did last year too, where they when they redid um, Garoppolo's deal, they, they made it so that they couldn't tag him. And I like these things where teams are kind of, in, when, when things are kind of cooled down, they put in restrictions for themselves so they can't go crazy. Because like if Kirk has like an amazing playoff run and they lose in the conference title game, and it might still not be a great bet to buy into him because of age and all this kind of stuff. And you have that guardrail there, right? Where he's gonna be like, Well, actually, I'm I'm worth 45 million. And it's like, well, they gotta they have to let him hit the open market then. Um, and if he hits the open market, then anything can happen. Whereas, you know, if he still wants to play in Minnesota because he's got the feels for this place. He knows that he cannot get a contract that's more than 40 million APY. And so it, it, it is a nice guardrail for Minnesota because I think that that's right around the right number. If he comes in and plays next year at 35 million a year, I mean, I, and I'm the biggest hater of that contract that's ever existed. <laughs> I would be okay with it. I think just because he would have earned it. And, but if he comes in at 45, we all know that it's going to, it's not going to work. So I, I I like that from Quasi. It's a pretty sharp move from him. Well, yeah. and can we talk about the uh, the dead cap? I know everybody want, loves to talk about the dead cap, but I think the one thing that like this dead cap doesn't do for Quasi and the Vikings is it doesn't hamstring them in the like the way Rick had basically set up Kirk's contracts. Kirk had all the control, like all of it. Whereas I feel like to your point, the guardrails and like what he can get long term from the Vikings doesn't exceed. But that dead cap also has it's already the effective cap space that the Vikings have in 2024 and beyond is already in place. So yes, that's a large dead cap hit, but like 
that's not holding them back from anything else because they've already like put that system in place to where they know what type of cap space, obviously before the Jefferson and Hawkinson deals, but like in general, they know what type of like dollars they're going to have to work with, with or without Kirk next year. And it's not going to like, they don't like have to re-sign Kirk because that dead cap is going to like kill them next year. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's it, they're planning it out um, better. And and you look at the teams that are actually doing this effectively. It's teams with really um, generous owners like Cleveland and yeah, Philly yeah. and Minnesota. So because the New cash, has, the cash has to be a thing, right? You have to yeah, if you yeah. if you restructure a deal, the the ownership's got to put that cash into extra escrow right away. So it's not it, it's it's cash and cash. So the fact that the Wilfs are willing to spend on the Vikings is a huge edge. The fact that Quasey understands the assignment in that sense, and he and he's going to take the interest-free loans on these things, that's good. And to your point, there's some control over the situation. Additional to that is you you know teams are becoming more liberal with how they roll over cap space, especially the spenders, the, mm-hmm. the teams that will spend because the the some of these teams can't roll over cap space because they haven't spent enough money. The Vikings don't have that problem. So they can like sort of roll over what their cap space is now, like 10 to 12 million. They yeah, can yeah. roll that over. And so all of a sudden, some of that 28 million that Kirk is going to be owed against the cap next year is going to be offset by stuff like that. And in addition, when you do it that way and you're not up against it all the time, you have that money free in case you got. Like, let's say they start six and one again. Right. And they right. make a trade. They have that money. They don't have to worry about it. If not, they roll the cap over to the future. Yeah. <clears throat> it, I, I'm impressed with how, how they're kind of handling everything. So, um, Eric, I know you have to go. So, thank you for joining us. Everyone, go check out his stuff at Sumer Sports. Also, his Appreciate book. It, Eric. I don't have the title of it uh, oh. offhand. Um, but I go on to this book. Now. I got to get me a copy. Football yes. analytics, Python, and R, uh, Amazon. I think it comes out uh, September 26th or something, but I, I got my copy here. I uh, appreciate appreciate you guys, and this was a lot of fun. Um, yes. I, I'm really looking forward to watching the Vikings this year, so have a good one, guys. Skull. See you later, Eric. Thank Thanks, you very Eric. much. Learn so much from him every time he's he's on the show. Um, I know let's you talk, guys let's gotta, talk 53. Should we talk 53 a little bit? Yeah, I was going to say, I know you guys <laughs> got to leave a little bit uh, yeah, here too, yeah. but – but let's quick jump on the 53 um, and shout out to everybody in the comments. Um, we appreciate it. Hit the like, hit the subscribe button. Uh, we're giving away this hat, not the one I'm wearing, but a similar one. Uh, once we hit 3,100 subscribers. So go hit that like and subscribe button on our YouTube channel. And of course, anywhere you find your podcast. So we touched on it briefly, the six safeties, the four tight ends, Nick, what was your biggest takeaway from the official non-official 53 man roster released today. I would say it's that we need another corner. <laughs> That's the first thing that, that sticks out. I mean, it, the roster isn't done. Uh, I mean, I, I left with a series of questions from it. We need that, you know, fifth cornerback because Najee Thompson's not it. Uh, we don't really still don't know the health of Kenny Wangu. I mean, if he's going to be put on IR tomorrow, we're going to sign another um, running back. And then, you know, going back to what we talked about with, with Eric, are we really going to keep six wide receivers and four tight ends? Uh, we, do, we only have eight offensive alignment. I think every year in the past few years, we've kept either nine or 10. Um, I know Chris Reed's supposed to come back and we redid his contract uh, in week four, but you know, that's still about well, a quarter of the up. season. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's a quarter of the season. We won't have them. So I, I, I think that there's a lot of things that need to get done. So, you know, who are those guys at the bottom of the roster that, um, you know, would be that fourth tight end or Jalen Rager, if they can work on a trade or, um, you know, or if it's, we have six safeties, I've been pushing for six safeties, but maybe we don't need Theo Jackson. So I just think that there's, you know, a lot going on in the roster that's going to formulate over the next, you know, 24 to 36 hours. I did find it interesting, Eric's comment, because when we talked about keeping six safeties, you brought up special teams and, the reason like with, with kick returns and whatnot going on, the teams maybe don't feel like they need more linebackers and they can maybe invest more in just the secondary. I found that interesting uh, as a take to keep six wide or uh, safeties. Yeah. But I feel like that, like that kind of fits a little bit more cornerback because safeties sure. aren't out. Like the one issue, like but the, the Vikings have four cornerbacks essentially that can play outside cornerback. They don't have anybody else. 
And when you play three cornerbacks at a time in most base defenses, you only have one backup to play on the outside. And injuries happen. Like, that's just the NFL at a position like cornerback. It's not about, like – yeah, it's it's a it's a tough position to only roll with with four effective cornerbacks in a defense that does use a lot of DBs, which I think that's why it's why they're keeping some of the, the safeties as well is because Metellus is in that like dime uh, star role, and I think yep. they're gonna want other guys to get opportunities, or they might get opportunities because they have the bodies, but those bodies don't fit on the outside. They're not gonna cover on the you know on the outside against like an, they're not gonna replace it in a Caleb Evans or. You know, Byron Murphy's playing that like hybrid nickel outside role. Um, mm-hmm. But like they just don't have like that's why I was a little surprised Joe Williams didn't make it just because he's like a big, long press corner. Um, well, that was got the a big of, thing you called out in our our prediction is like, yeah, the size of Joe Juan Williams. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even that around. Right. It wasn't even about like him, me thinking he was really good, but he was like cheap and he's a like a depth player. Right. And but it yeah. doesn't mean they won't go out and get somebody. And I, I think to like Nick's point, I think they're definitely going to do that. But to kind of answer the some of the questions here, like I've seen people asking about like Andre Carter, the Vikings gave like I think Big it was money. like the most the most um like guaranteed money. Quick. It was like the most guaranteed money to an undrafted free agent in like the history of the NFL or like in the history mm-hmm. of like this process, right? And like that is enough thousand? Yeah, I think it was like three hundred, yeah. three hundred and twenty or something like that. Like that's yep. enough money to like like you can get rid of a Luigi Villane and maybe even bring him back, bring him back on the practice squad. Whereas an Andre Carter, you're like you don't have you have an investment in him, and so you want to see that investment through. And they might he might have shown enough behind the scenes to like show some potential that's like more of a teachable thing and a developmental thing than it is like because he's obviously got the like physical tools. He's yeah. big, he's lengthy, like he could probably put on some weight, but like big, lengthy, athletic. So I think it's more of like a teachable development thing. So like him being on the roster is not a problem, and no, they don't need to trade away Wanham. Like Wanham <laughs> is clearly their third best like pass rusher right now. I'm I'm not the biggest DJ Wanham fan either, but they don't have the luxury to move those types of guys right now. Not this early in the process. Now, if they start two and four, whatever the you know two and five, and they get to the, the deadline and they want to move guys like that because they're on expirings, like I got zero issue with that. But that just doesn't work right now when a team that wants to be competitive. Um, but then when we go to the, the tight end situation, I just, I don't get it. <laughs> I like Nick Muse. And I think, I think, I do think Eric brought up a great point that we don't know about TJ Hawkinson and it might be hedging their bets on maybe he isn't a hundred, hundred percent healthy. So they're making sure yeah. heading into week one that they have at least three tight ends that they can play. If, if Hawkinson isn't ready by week one, um, and they could also like wait, sometimes teams will keep young guys on their roster and wait a little bit toward the season and then wave guys because mm-hmm. less teams are willing to like move their practice squad players. Mm-hmm. So it's got, it's got, we've like, it's not a lot, like it's a strategy, a lot, but there's small strategies that they could be doing with him or he could just be on the team. And I like, and I'm overreacting, but it just feels like in, in an offense that has so many skill positions at, you know, at tight end already and at receiver to like keep four tight ends and a fullback. It just seems like a lot, but Hey, that's what it is. Uh, one call out here. So first of all, this graphic is from Andrew Kramer of the Star Tribune, but just a call out on the defensive line. Jaqueline Roy is not on this list and he is on the 50. He is on the 53. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind going through here. Um, the other. Well, real quick, the high times KG, the, it's the 300 K. It's not about it being a defining number. It's that his contract is essentially like a draft pick. So like they, they, they gave him enough money and yeah. he he show, has shown them enough that they put more investment into him than they would in Luigi Blaine, and they've seen Luigi Blaine for over a year. So I just don't like using the like, I I'm I think Blaine was has been good in the preseason, so I'm not gonna like sit here and say that. But like it's clear that they don't think he's been good enough that it's like worth risking him hitting waivers and keeping Andre Carter to develop. So I just don't think it it's like that like. We get worked up over like the bottom of the roster guys a little bit more than I'd like to. And I do that at, at times as well. Like Nick Muse. I'm not mad that Nick Muse made the roster. It's more of like the scenario of the situation, but like it just kind of is what it is. Like teams have guys that they like and they're going to keep them. Yeah. Um, the other kind of surprise for me, but not a really a surprise is Jalen Rager making the team. Now I think in the next 24 hours, maybe even 48, 
we could see him get moved. We heard some trade buzz surrounding his name, but uh, six receivers heading into this season as well, which is the, I don't have my graphic anymore, but I think that's the most since um, 2021, if I recall. Definitely before the new new regime came in. Um, Yeah, that's interesting. And I think that we were seeing some stuff online uh, that uh, potentially had some offset um, language in his contract, but that's, you know, if he gets waived in, or is that wrong? Yeah. No, that's what it is. That's what I had. I wanted to confirm that too. Is like obviously he's still um, he's not a um, a vested vet. So if he gets waived, he gets waived. So teams can claim him, and that would be the only way a team would uh, the Vikings would like move his money is if another team claimed that contract. So they'd be claiming his contract, and so that money would go with him. But if he's not, if he's waived and unclaimed, then the Vikings eat that two point four million uh, dead cap essentially, because then he'd be his contract would then go void and then he could go sign a new one, but that money would then stay with the Vikings because Mr. it's guaranteed. Mr. Kirk Cousins brings up a, an interesting point that I don't know if we've really entertained it quite yet, but just keeping three quarterbacks on the team seems like a luxury and not necessarily a necessity. Um, where, where are you guys at? I know we've talked about it at length, just given the new rule from this past year about being able to suit up a third quarterback on game day. Um, you know, in the instance that something happens, but what are your guys' thoughts on actually carrying three quarterbacks for the first time since, gosh, I can't even maybe ponder Bridgewater and Castle were the last time we had like three active quarterbacks on the 53. No, it was Keenum. It was Keenum. Or, or yeah, Keenum, Keenum uh, Bradford and, and Bridgewater as well. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. What, are, what are your guys' thoughts there? Like, are you surprised? Are you just you don't care? Miles uh, doesn't care. <laughs> I, I I would say that I, I thought it was important for them to draft uh, a mid round quarterback or or or, or mm-hmm. so this year. Um, you know, I, I don't think that I think that everyone on the show is a fan of DTR over over uh, Jaron Hall, but that's water under the bridge at this point. Um, but I I think it gives a good test run for um, you know their you know, administration, their coaching staff to go through like what a rookie quarterback looks like. How do we develop them? You know, get out the kinks, allow Kevin O'Connell to, to, to work with another guy, you know, test some things behind the scenes. And then when it's time for, you know, showtime, uh, when it's a first round quarterback or something like that, maybe they won't repeat some of the same mistakes. But I think it's always nice to have a guy back there, you know, that you're that you're really working on. And it seems that Kellen Mond just wasn't it now that he's you know, gone from, you know, another team. Um, and so you always want to have someone, you know, that you're working on behind the scenes just in case, and you never know what's going on uh, with, you know, different you know, contract demands of Kirk. And so um, I think when you vested a fifth round on them, I, I don't mind them keeping a roster spot um, to, you know, continue working on that and see how it goes. Um, so it, I'm really kind of indifferent to it. I, I can mm-hmm. understand. Now, if this team was, you know, I, I think if it was like a championship roster or something like that, and you know, we really needed that that other spot to keep a guy that you know was going to really contribute this year, then you know, then maybe it's a conversation. But I don't think we're there, and we also have another you know redshirt guy and like Andre Carter, you know, on a roster, and you know, from that standpoint, so I don't think it's really any different than that. So it doesn't really bother me at all. Um, I like you know KOC you know, investing in quarterbacks and seeing how I can develop them. But uh, I don't, I'm also not fooling myself to think that, you know, Jaron Hall could be, you know, a long-term franchise quarterback either. But I'm still, that, I'm still ahead. waiting to go watch the, uh, the JTO solve in QB school. Oh yeah. I know. I'll, just I'll, I'll this afternoon. <laughs> but like, I think, I think digits brings up a great point is like that new rule does afford more development in QBs. Sure. And teams wanting to invest um, in that third quarterback because of the injuries too. But it also like the 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 special team scenario as well, where teams or the NFL is kind of doing away with like some of the high impact special teams. So like it's becoming less and less important is allowing teams to like it's unfortunate for players that are like special teams, like players like a Najee Thompson, for example. I know he made it and I'm, ha- I'm happy he did. But like teams are less likely to keep guys like him at time, not not just like him as an example, but like special teams only players um, because now they'll they can have a third quarterback instead and like that value is more important than like a, a special teams player because that yeah. guy 
you might need to play at some point because quarterback is just that important. So I just, I do like, I like that rule from like a development standpoint. And I think it allows guys that a team does draft in the middle rounds as like a less pressure to like be the backup because, you know, we, we've, we, we have seen a lot of the rookies this year, like win either backup jobs or like these like third string roles, like Jaron Hall, where, you know, they're playing better and, and kind of getting that like development without the pressure of having mm-hmm. to do it. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a cool thing to see. Biggest surprise for me was three undrafted free agents making this, yeah. making the team. I think that's impressive in and of itself. How many um, did they have last year? They had Valaine, uh I guess Ryan Wright technically <laughs> is yeah, considered yeah. that. Yeah. Um, they had one. I so maybe, maybe they did have that many last they year. Did, well, they, so they ended up signing. Was it Benton Whitley, an undrafted free agent that they ended Bet, up bringing Bet, Yes. Uh, Whitley and then, uh, oh, my God, uh, Quenku. They signed him to. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess there were a handful last Tyrus year. Tyrus Tonga, but like those guys aren't like he wasn't a, a free agent last. Like he was a like street free agent last year or whatever. But um, any final because I don't I don't want to prolong this much more. I mean, it's it's a 53 man roster that's going to change again in the next 24 to 48 hours, and especially by, you know, the time we take on the Bucks at U.S. Bank Stadium. But any final thoughts or call outs that you guys want to talk about for the 53 that was released this evening? Otherwise, we can wrap this thing. Well, what positions do we do we think that they should? I think we've touched on a little bit, but like there's obviously corner. There's, I think, interior line. And yep. I would say probably maybe a running back. I think the running back if Kenny can go. The three, right? So, like, if they put Kenny on IR tomorrow, so that's one, one open spot. Um, you maybe trade Jalen Rager, that's two. And then you fill those spots. You fill a, a running back spot, that's one. Um, like, And then you fill a cornerback, which I think they have to do. Like, I think in Imani – Oriwarie, he played for the Lions, was drafted by Lions. Like he's a, a long outside press corner, I think would be like a he, he's fallen off the last couple of years, but he's just the type of guy that I think they could use that can play man coverage, yeah, and kind of just be a big outside physical uh, corner. And maybe they get Joe on Williams on the on the practice squad. You know, you never know, and like that'll help. But you still need a fifty-three man roster guy that um, I think they need to add to that depth. I want to. Uh... I want to share one thing before we go. Um, Ike Bedker too at interior line, I think would be a good, a good like Mm -hmm. signing over. I like Blake Brandle, but like, I don't know. Can we see it? Oh yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. yeah, It's a little difficult to see the, I don't know if you can zoom in at all. I can try. Give me a second. Matt's not really that savvy with this stuff, Nick. So, <laughs> hey, he did it. So I agree. I agree, Matt. We do. I was, we do, I was about to give a shout out to your that tweet too. I know that you and Daniel House too are going back and forth, but that seems like a really good list. Yeah, I just kind of went through and just saw some guys that like made sense. And obviously, I mean, they might not have any interest in any of these guys for all we all I know. But like, these are just names that stood out. Yeah the the one that name that we've heard consistently from you at least it's. Maybe this is maybe your name bias, but Miles Gaskin. Do you just want to cheer on another Miles this year? Well, yeah, of course. Like, and he spells it well. It's because he spells it right too. It's not just the, it's not just the name, but it's like the spelling. Um, my my mom the, would be proud. <laughs> I think this is also a, a pretty um, important call out. You have him in here, but Eric Rowe is someone that at least dating back to when we heard about Brian Flores becoming our defensive coordinator, I thought made perfect sense um he does technically i think identify as a safety but he can Mm -hmm, play as that that nickel cornerback they just Um, have so many it's hard like i didn't i'm hesitant with him i just don't see it unless like unless lewis scene actually is maybe a little bit more hurt too we don't know that sure um Mm -hmm. but even then like that's why they have theo jackson too and, and some of those things but absolutely um well i think that's it then i think We'll we'll kind of watch this roster over the next week or so and see what happens. Um, trades could happen. Obviously, the practice squad will fill itself out a little bit more. There were some other surprises around the league. Um, actually, one guy at Miles that I, I thought you would be interested in is Darius Rush, who we saw at the Senior Bowl, yeah, who yeah. was cut by the Colts. Um, I, don't, I just don't know how his me. preseason went. Do we know? I, didn't really I heard it went on. really well, so well, I, I want to go check it out. He seems like a guy that will be – 
uh, long gone Claimed. before our, yeah. our waiver time anyway. Yeah, but... what are we, like 25, 26? 24. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, you mid-20s. Just, just, so. just go to, like, so whatever your draft pick, like, slot was, this oh, is where yeah. your um, – is where it starts the first what six games of the season, something like that, and then the waiver yeah, wire, then it'll resets. go to uh, whatever, yeah, resets to the the current uh, standings. Sweet. Well, um, everybody in the chat, thank you again for joining us on this live show. Uh, do not forget to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel to wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we really would appreciate it to help our grow our channel a little bit more. Um, and remember, if you're subscribed, you can get this hat, Lake Monster. We'll ship it directly to you. And speaking of Lake Monster, next Wednesday night at, is it seven miles? Seven, seven or 7.30, yeah. We'll say seven. Uh, no, we'll say seven. <laughs> uh, next Wednesday night, September 6th at 7 o'clock, we will be live from Lake Monster Brewing in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, doing a live show. So come on out if you're in Looking the city. Looking to have a guest, too. Looking to have a guest. TBD, who the guest is, but we'll be doing some fun giveaways there. There's great beer um, to be had, and that will also start the new live shows to be on Wednesday for the remainder of the season. It just works better. If you better. slide through, Matt Matt will get you a beer, too. That's just like the kind of guy he is. He'll run a tab <laughs> yeah. for you. Yeah, I, if, <laughs> I'm thinking of doing some like trivia questions, potentially, and then I, yeah. I would I would buy people beer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll get people beer if they want to come through. Um, or... They have other things if, if you don't like beer. Uh, I don't know. what I think they have some like sodas and, and, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, come check us out next Wednesday night at Lake Monster. And then tune in every Wednesday night for our Vikings Happy Hour live show as the Vikings regular season kicks off just a couple weeks from this weekend. Until next time, everybody, Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings.